From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Monday edition of Washington Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well, the skies over the U.S. were like a shooting gallery over the weekend with the U.S. military shooting down three mysterious objects flying over the U.S. We're going to have to begin to look at the United States airspace as one that we need to defend and that we need to have appropriate sensors to do so. This shows some of the problems and gaps that we have. We need to fill those as soon as possible because we certainly now ascertain there is a threat. That was House Intel Committee Chairman Mike Turner yesterday on CNN. We'll talk later with Montana Congressman Matt Rosendale, who was briefed by the Pentagon officials on Sunday after one of the objects was shot down over his state. Despite the origins of the weekend objects not yet known, the ongoing concern is with China. Why do they want to do this? Well, they're preparing. Uh, if they don't uh, win the elections in Taiwan next January, they are preparing for a military conflict. And they're trying to collect information about our military capabilities in the United States in preparation for that conflict. There's no question about it in my mind. That was House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Mike McCall on Fox yesterday. But here is Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer's spin, I mean perspective. We got enormous intelligence information from surveilling the balloon as it went over the United States and watching. Did the Chinese get enormous intelligence as well? Well, they, they could have been getting it anyway. But look, I think the Chinese were humiliated. I think the Chinese were caught lying. And I think it's a real, it's, it's a real step back for them, yes. We, we got a lot of intelligence watching that balloon float across our country and gather data. All right. So who's telling the truth here? We're going to find out when our own Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin joins us later here on Washington Watch. As the death toll from the earthquakes in Turkey and northeast Syria mount, the needs of the people do as well. Samaritan's Purse is on the ground in Turkey, and we're going to get an update from Edward Graham in just a moment. And remember Jacob Kersey, the police officer in Port Wentworth, Georgia, who was forced to resign because he posted a biblical reference about marriage on his personal Facebook page. Well, he is now being represented by our friends at First Liberty, and they have sent a demand letter today to the mayor, Mayor Gary Norton. And uh, I'm going to tell you how you can join us in defending the First Amendment when we're joined by Jacob's attorney, Stephanie Taub, in just a moment. And while the educational establishment would rather us not focus on this, people are starting to ask questions. They're asking questions about the declining test scores in our government-run schools. Last year, reading scores of the 4th and 8th graders dropped below assessment levels going back, in some cases, over 20 years. Now, the government school apologists are quick to blame COVID and their own lockdowns, by the way. But is that really the issue? Or is it the misplaced focus that's taking place in public education on the whole LGBTQ INSANE agenda? A New Hampshire school has gone so far now as to ban urinals in the latest transgender skirmish. Uh, how about banning foolishness? Well, FRC's Meg Kilgannon joins us with the latest educational follies later on Washington Watch. And the abortion industry is ramping up and trying to turn one of the most pro-life states in the nation into a pro-abortion state. How are they trying to do it? Well, South Dakota State Representative John Hansen, co-chair of the Decline to Sign Ballot Initiative, is here to explain. Website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything, it's all archived right there at TonyPerkins.com. Our word for today comes from 2 Kings 24, verse 20. 
For because of the anger of the Lord, it came to the point in Jerusalem and Judah that he cast them out from his presence, and Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. You know, this verse really summarizes Judah. They rejected God, and as a result, they bounced back and forth from having to serve Egypt, Assyria, or Babylon until their rebellious nature led them into captivity. It reminds me of the lyrics of the classic song by Bob Dylan, Gotta Serve Somebody. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. We can either submit ourselves to the Lord and serve him, or we will serve the present ruler of this world. Rebellion toward God remands us to servitude of Satan. To find out more about our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org Bible. Well, here at the Family Research Council, we have been following the story of Jacob Kersey, the former Georgia police officer who was bullied into resigning from his job for expressing a biblical view of marriage on his personal Facebook page. Officer Kersey is now being represented by our friends at First Liberty Institute, which today sent a letter to the city of Port Wentworth detailing how city officials discriminated against their client, Jacob Kersey. Joining me now with more on this is Stephanie Taub. She's a senior counsel for First Liberty Institute. Stephanie, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me on to talk about this very important issue. So, Stephanie, let's talk about the letter that went to the mayor of Port Wentworth and the council today. What is it asking for? Well, essentially, we want to make sure that this does not happen to anyone else again. So Jacob, he is an exceptional police officer, and he was forced into an unconstitutional choice between silencing his personal religious beliefs, even expressed in private, even expressed off-duty, or giving up your job. And the city is essentially sending a message that if you hold these traditional Christian beliefs about marriage, then you're not welcome as a police officer. And this is unconstitutional discrimination. It violates the free speech clause. It violates the free exercise clause. So we're asking for them to officially take accountability for their actions and to correct this policy. So the city of Port Wentworth has some liability here by discriminating against this police officer by essentially forcing him out. Now, he resigned, but it was based on the fact that he could no longer make comments about Scripture on his own personal Facebook page. Is that correct? That's right. They were not only putting him to this unconstitutional choice, but as you know, being a police officer is incredibly dangerous in this in this world. And we need more exceptional police officers like Jacob. But the city sent a message that it's not going to support him and it's not going to be there if they if. Um, if he needs them. And this is an absolutely dangerous position for to put him in. So he was, for, for both of those reasons, he was forced out of his job. So this is why it's so important for the city to recognize that you do not give up your First Amendment rights by right. becoming a police officer. Well, and we need more, we need more police officers of character. Absolutely. I mean, given what we've just witnessed in Memphis, I mean, you would think you want men and women with a biblical foundation and character that would have them treat people fairly, regardless of who they are. But you don't have to jettison your biblical viewpoint. In fact, you need to embrace that in order to treat all people fairly. 
Absolutely. We need people of character and integrity of all faiths. And so singling out Christians and saying that your beliefs are not welcome here, this is unconstitutional. This is discrimination. So final question for you, Stephanie, what response are you hoping to receive from the city of Port Wentworth, Georgia? Well, we're hoping that they will take accountability for their actions. We're hoping that they'll change the policy. We are available. We are at firstliberty.org. We look forward to hearing from them, and hopefully they will do the right thing. All right, Stephanie Taub, thanks so much for joining us today. appreciate all the work you guys do at First Liberty. Thank you. And folks, I'm going to ask you to join with us in this and ask Mayor Norton and the Port Wentworth City Council to apologize and to do the right thing and adopt a policy that respects the First Amendment. All you need to do is sign this petition that we're going to deliver. In fact, we're going to be doing some stuff in Georgia very soon. I'll tell you about it when we get it all lined up. But this cannot stand. So to sign the petition, text Jacob, J-A-C-O-B, Jacob, to 67742. That's 67742, the name Jacob. You'll get a link to the petition, sign it, and we're going to deliver it to the mayor and tell him this religious bigotry will not stand. Okay, the death toll is rising in Turkey and northern Syria a week after devastating earthquakes violently shook that region. Last week, we spoke with Edward Graham from Samaritan's Purse, who's, who uh, mobilized, as they always do, to get their team on the ground in Turkey to help. They now have more than 100 disaster assistant assistance response team specialist in the region, uh, helping to establish uh, hospitals and responding to those in need. In, in need. And joining me now to uh, to give us an update on the situation and their efforts is Edward Graham. He's the chief operating officer for Samaritan's Purse. Edward, thanks for coming back on uh, the program. What can you tell us about what's happening in Turkey right now? Hey, Tony. Thanks again for having me. Well, I'll tell you what, I woke up this morning. I had a report from my team on the ground that they already had the, the hospital operational and then received its first patients. Within hours, you had about 42 uh, patients have already come in. Now, this is a mix of patients that were injured in the actual earthquake itself, which, as we know, has been completely devastating to this region. But we've also seen several rescuers uh, that have been injured by rubble. So as they're going in there, rubble's falling on them, breaking legs and arms. And so we're already doing treating them and doing uh, operations on individuals like that. We also had a report of a young 14-year-old boy who had been in there since the earthquake. So it's about eight days uh, that he'd been trapped in there. He's extremely dehydrated, hadn't had any water, food. Everyone in his family was killed, and he was the only survivor. And so it's patients like this that we're treating. But I want your listeners to pray for that boy. Pray for Turkey, um, just the pain, the suffering that's going on right now. Uh, this is why we deploy is to love on our neighbor and to share the the love of Jesus Christ uh, through medicine. Um, but God gives us these resources to be able to respond quickly. And that's why Samaritan's Purse is already there with its hospital. We're also assessing the other humanitarian needs. We took about 90 tons of equipment. So we're also looking at uh, there's solar lights. We can do water filtration. Um, there's shelter material, uh, blankets. So there's a lot of things. It's cold there right now, and there's a loss of power. And so there's a lot to do, and the team's doing a great job. But continue to pray for them. I mean, the need is uh, massive when you consider over 30,000 people have already uh, been identified as dying in this earth, these two earthquakes. The needs are going to just when you see the the, the uh, extensive nature of the damage, this is going to be long term. 
Um, what do you know about the other relief efforts there on the ground? I mean, Samaritan's Purse, obviously, we support them because of the, the fact that they not only meet the physical need, but there to minister in the name of Jesus. Is uh, enough support getting into that region? Uh, no, and it's not, and I wouldn't say it's Turkey's fault and the government's fault. They're just, it's overwhelming. A tragedy like this, there's so much destruction. A lot of the road systems, the airports, there's some airports in the area that were destroyed as well. So when stuff gets in, it gets it gets logged at these uh, these airfields in these ports, and it's all trying to get in, but the roads are clogged, and people are trying to get out. Other materials are trying to get in. I think Turkey, the government's done an incredible job on what it's can to love and, and serve its people, but there's a lot more that needs to be done. And at this, just like the story I gave the little boy of survival, you're at this point, anyone that comes out of the rubble now to be a miracle because they've been in there for so long. Yeah. Um, so the rescue, they're, they're kind of right now in frantic pace. They have been for a week. Um, but even after this earthquake, as you know, with many tragedies, just like in Haiti, um, susceptible to cholera and other diseases that come in, um, when there's a when there's loss of services, power, and clean water. And so that's why we go there, Seth, to see where we can be. There's other Christian uh, ministries there. There's other relief organizations that do come into these areas. It just gets to be an issue with logistics and trying to get everything to where it's needed. Uh, Ed, we're up, we're up against a break, but we're going to challenge our folks to continue to pray. But how else can they help in the work that Samaritan's Purse is doing? Yeah, just go to SamaritansPurse.org. If you have any questions on how you can help, it should be there. All right, Ed, we're going to get an update later on from you. Uh, We will be praying for you and and your teams that are there and grateful uh, for the the wonderful work that you guys do. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, uh, Edward Graham with Samaritan's Person. Folks, I want to encourage you to do that. Pray, pray. Uh, You know, they don't have the benefit of a lot of the resources we have in this country. It is, in fact, you can see the devastation. It's intense. All right, coming up, disturbing numbers indicate up to 65% of fourth grade students read below grade level. We're going to talk about it. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. 
To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldviews monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Glad you could join us on this Monday. Again, to stand with Jacob in defending the First Amendment and sending a message to the mayor of Port Wentworth, Georgia. Text the word Jacob or the name Jacob to 67742 and sign the petition at 67742. According to a study by the National Assessment of Education Progress, 65% of fourth grade students in the U.S. scored below proficient on reading tests. Now, the apologists for government education have blamed COVID and, ironically, (laughs) the lockdowns that the teacher unions demanded. But is that really what's behind test scores that have dropped to nearly two-decade lows? Now, joining me now to uh, to discuss this and more is Meg Kilgannon. She is a senior fellow for education studies here at the Family Research Council. Meg, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Tony. It's great to be here. All right, so this 65% number for fourth grade students reading below grade level probably isn't shocking to many. The numbers are actually just almost as bad for eighth grade students as well. But uh, do parents have a better understanding of this now that so many have witnessed their children's Zoom classes during the pandemic and actually what they're being taught? Yes, that is absolutely the case. And we saw uh, or heard um, an investigation of this earlier this year uh, in a podcast series called Sold a Story. And in that series, uh, the reporter investigated this issue and really exposed how we all knew all along about the science of reading and how it is that children learn to read, which is phonetically, and their a fad became, uh, you know, entrenched in uh, the educational community. And we we started using an approach called whole language learning, which was essentially children looking at words uh, in the whole and having context clues about what might, there might be there. And um, you know, for some children who are good learners, they can still learn to read this way. Um, but for children who have challenges or children who just need extra help, um, you know, most children need to understand phonics and how phonics uh, work. So, and, and this is not an insignificant issue because no. when you look at proficiency in reading, by the end of the third grade, it's a critical marker 
in a tr child's educational development. In fact, by fourth grade, they've got to be able to read because it is critical to all the other elements of learning, all the other subjects, and if they're not there yet, at fourth grade, it's a good indication they could become a dropout. So this is a critical juncture in, in education. So I would have thought that we would have figured this out by now, that phonics works and this uh, whole language learning is not as effective. But could it be because the educational establishment has been distracted by other letters other than reading, other than the ABCs? Could it be the LGBTQ uh, insane agenda? Well, it certainly shows you that a phenomenon, a fad, a, a, uh, a cultural obsession can become the focus of just about anything. And in this case, the, 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 the phenomenon at the time regarding phonetics was, you know, this idea that, it, that captured everybody's imagination. And um, now the thing that's capturing a lot of people's imaginations has more to do with uh, sexuality and your perceived identity and your just identity generally, uh, those things are thought to be of supreme importance. And if those things aren't sorted out, children can't effectively learn. And that is the fad now that is impacting children's education. So it's distracting them from the main focus of what education should be. I mean, if, if, a, if a child can learn to read, at a, at a young age and as they progress, you know, you, the world is open to them. But if they can't read, the world closes in on them and desperation sets in. I mean, this is, this is major. And to miss these indicators that I'm sure didn't just pop up last year. Right. And right. I know they want to blame COVID, but this was a trend that we saw even before COVID. Absolutely. And there are other there are other factors and fads that come into play here, especially one to one devices, the the issuance of computers to every student in school um, so that we can do even more work online. And, and the fact that there are no textbooks anymore, all of the textbooks are online. You know, all of that plays into reading as well. Right. right and right. so there there are just so many things that over the years have contributed to this steady decline. It well, is steady, and it is steadily increasingly bad. I mean, I, I've seen it even, I, I'm, I'm, this may not come to a shock to those who work close to me. I'm the best speller in the world. I've always been challenged that way. But it, it, it gets worse when you're using a computer and you have this autocorrect that is always, you know, prompting you to or changing it for you. I mean, that is a lot of this, um, you know, artificial intelligence that's supposed to help us learn is actually dumbing down society. Right. Well, and now college professors are wondering how they're going to be able to tell if their students have actually written their exam papers and their theses or did they get chat uh, GPT to do it. Right. So, you know, this is going to maybe we'll return to the blue book exam and the handwritten yeah. exams to assure that it's your work. I, I think that would be a welcome return. Well, frankly. I, I'm I'm going to sound like a broken record, Meg, but I think parents have to think long and hard about sticking their kids into these government-run schools that are more preoccupied with the LGBTQ agenda than they are the ABCs and the basics of, of learning. I think parents need to look at homeschooling. They need to look at private schooling and Christian schools. But th this is a matter of success or failure if you can't read. 
I, I absolutely agree. And I, I think as well, this is the byproduct of Christians uh, leaving the, the public school space. We need to take our children out, but we need to place ourselves maintain our position within that system because it's when there's an echo chamber with only one ideology or one worldview that's dominating the situation that's when you see these problems happen that's when these phenomena capture everybody's imagination and become the, the silver new silver bullet for solving whatever problem that we have to solve and that that just is that there's no substitute for hard work for self-discipline, self-control, the role of parents in the family. Nothing is going to change those realities. Well, thanks for finishing that thought for me, Meg, because you're absolutely right. Our children shouldn't be sacrificed to public education, but we need to be involved in their making a difference as teachers, Christians in the classroom, as well as on the, uh, the local school board. Meg, always great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Tony. All right, folks, coming up, a battle is underway to, uh, to block a potential amendment in South Dakota. Now, this is, uh, this is a pro-abortion ballot initiative. We're going to talk about it next. Don't go away. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15-week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back. To Washington Watch, I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. All right, all of you in South Dakota, be sure and listen up, okay? Listen up. Empowered by their success in Kansas and Michigan this past fall, abortion activists are now in South Dakota. They're in your state pushing for an amendment to the state's constitution that would create extreme abortion laws throughout the entire state. Now, South Dakota is one of the most pro-life states in the nation, but this constitutional amendment that they're seeking 
is both confusing and vague. Should not be surprising. They're always deceptive. But this would empower unelected judges rather than the voters to decide future decisions on the issue of the sanctity of life. But an effort is underway to educate voters on just how extreme and deceptive this measure is in hopes that the initiative will fail to achieve the signatures necessary to place it on the ballot next year. Join me now to discuss this and more, South Dakota State Representative John Hansen. He's the co-founder of the Life Defense Fund, opposing this amendment. He represents the 25th District of South Dakota. Representative Hansen, welcome to Washington Watch. Hey, Tony. It's great to be with you. I really appreciate it. Well, just explain first how extreme this amendment would be, what they're trying to do, and how you and others are going to stop it. Yeah, well, it is definitely about as extreme as you can possibly imagine. If this abortion amendment were to be placed into our state constitution, which, by the way, they're trying to put it into our state constitution where, you know, it's not exactly easy to unwind in the future, the measure would legalize abortion all the way from conception to the point of birth. Not only that, it would override all of our existing pro-life laws that we've worked so hard to put into place over the last 49 years. You know, things like conscience protections for medical professionals, prohibitions on taxpayer funding of abortions, protections so that mothers can't be coerced into having abortions against their will. You know, those things that really, in a lot of ways, are very agreeable and bipartisan. Even those sorts of measures would be overridden by this constitutional amendment. That's how crazy radical this is. John, so, that includes like you, John. That includes even like parental notification laws, right? Exactly right. Even parental notification laws are overridden by this constitutional amendment. Wow. And, and so, you know, emboldened by what they did in Michigan and elsewhere, they're trying to do this in South Dakota because they think if they can do it in South Dakota, they can do it anywhere in America. Exactly right. You know, South Dakota is a red state. We've got super majorities in the legislature. Uh, we own we, the Republican Party has every uh, statewide uh, elected office. And, you know, the left has said that they are going to be going into these red states to try to put abortion up to birth into their state constitutions. And if we do nothing, then these extreme measures are going to spread across this country like wildfire. And that's why in South Dakota, we must draw the fire line. We must be the place where these extreme abortion initiatives go to meet their downfall. Okay. All right. Listen up. All the folks in South Dakota, he's, John's going to tell you what you need to do. All right. John, tell us, what, what, what are the marching orders for the pro-life uh, citizens of South Dakota? Thanks, Tony. If everybody could go to lifedefensefund.com. That's lifedefensefund.com. That's an organization that I co-founded with a longtime pro-life advocate named Leslie Unruh. That's really going to lead the way to stop this abortion amendment from being written into our state constitution. So at lifedefensefund.com, you can learn all about what's happening. Importantly, you can sign up to learn more uh, about how to help in the state. And you can also donate at lifedefensefund.com. Undoubtedly, if this measure is placed onto our ballot, millions of dollars and out-of-state money is going to flow to try to put this into our Constitution, into the state of South Dakota. And so we need your help. Please sign up to volunteer. Please donate at lifedefensefund.com. And, and John, one way to, to help bring this to an early demise is when someone knocks on your door wanting you to sign the petition to put this on the ballot, refuse to sign, 
uh, when you are asked to sign about this amendment. Is that correct? That's right. That's our main focus right now. We want to educate the public, and part of signing up to volunteer is, is we'll give you resources to share with all your friends, your churches, your community groups across the state to encourage people to decline to sign this radical abortion amendment. That's really the message that we want to get out there right now is when you're approached by these people, and we've had people approached by these uh, these petition circulators, and they call their measure pro-life and right. pro-family. So oh, they're, they're deceptive? deceptive? They're deceptive? I'm, yeah, su- yeah. I- I'm surprised. I'm, surprised. I'm shocked. I'm shocked <laughs> right. that those that would kill babies in the womb are deceptive. All right, uh, John, very quickly, we just got about a minute left, but some uh, good news. The, the governor there signing a piece of legislation that will protect teenagers from these radical surgical uh, procedures in the transgender craze that's taking the nation, something we've been working on for years there in South Dakota. Tell us about it very quickly. Yeah, that's right. Uh, here in South Dakota, we worked very hard to pass a bill called uh, House Bill 1080, the Help Not Harm Bill. And great news, just moments ago, the governor of the state, Christy Noem, signed that bill. And so now we can focus on getting these children that are suffering with gender dysphoria the mental health care that they truly need and not permanent bodily mutilation. So it's a good day in South Dakota for young children. Help Not Harm has officially been signed into law. All right, John, thanks so much for joining us today. Keep up the good work. We appreciate your leadership there in South Dakota. Thank you, Tony. Really appreciate it. All right. So, uh, and folks, you, a lot of you in South Dakota that listen, you played a key part. I spoke to some folks this weekend over uh, over the weekend that are from South Dakota, and a lot of our Washington Watch listeners there weighing in on these critical issues. And no matter where you are in the country, I need you to weigh in and stand with Jacob, the, the police officer there in Wentworth, Georgia, who was forced out for simply stating a view of biblical marriage. Text the name Jacob to 7742 to Jacob. All right, coming up next, we'll be joined by Montana Congressman Matt Rosendale. So don't go away. We're talking objects in the sky. That's next. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. 
with just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. I'm Tony Perkins, and this is Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. Good to have you with us. All right, the U.S. military shot down at, at least three unidentified airborne objects over the weekend, most recently downing one over Lake Huron in Michigan yesterday. This comes after a Chinese spy balloon invaded American airspace, launching a diplomatic crisis for the Biden administration and putting our nation's defenders on high alert. So why has this pattern emerged now? And what is the Department of Defense saying about it? Well, here with me to discuss this and more is Congressman Matt Rosendale, who is a member of the House Freedom Caucus, the Veterans Affairs Committee, and the Committee on Natural Resources. He represents the 2nd Congressional District of Montana, where one of these objects was shot down. Congressman Rosendale, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you so much for having me on today, Tony. It's good to be uh, with you. Well, thank you. I have to say that uh, you and I were thinking very much alike. And uh, I saw your tweet earlier today about the uh, not being surprised that the Biden administration couldn't identify what was floating in the sky since they couldn't identify male or female on the ground. Um, what did the Pentagon tell you about what is actually going on? That is my uh, gravest concern, Tony, and that is the DOD has not been forthcoming with information about what is going on. Uh, we've had now four different um, aerial devices flying around, if you will. The first was the very large Chinese spy balloon. We know that that's exactly what it was. They have shot that down. So we had a classified briefing, and while I'm not allowed to say what was told to uh, Congress at that meeting, uh, unfortunately, not a lot was, was told to us during the meeting. Uh, we know that this big balloon entered Alaska airspace. We know that it flew uh, through Alaska, over Canada, entered Montana. Thank goodness the vigilant people of Montana spotted it in the sky, reported it, and then the United States uh, Department of Defense started acknowledging that something was up there. Uh, but then they allowed it to go across the country, Tony, uh, for another several days. Uh, it, it hovered above Malmstrom Air Force Base, 
and a missile field that covers hundreds of square miles and is where the ICBMs um, are located to protect our nation. And, and then finally, uh, they made the decision to shoot it down after it was over the Atlantic. Yeah, that was amazing. They waited so long. You know, yeah. the, the president saying the, late last week that the Chinese spy balloon was not a major breach. I mean, what do you think of that assessment? It's terrible. Well, look, the balloon was collecting some kind of data. We do know that. Uh, the first balloon we know had the ability to maneuver. They've released that information. They had propellers that had engines on it. Uh, these other devices that have been brought down since then, uh, so far I have not heard if they were able to maneuver or not. But what I'm very concerned about, Tony, is a cumulative um, amount of data that's being acquired from cellular towers, from civilian infrastructure, from military and sensitive infrastructure. As I said, I was at Malmstrom Air Force Base this morning. This is an Air Force Base in northern Montana that is responsible for 140 ICBMs, you know, missiles, uh, to help defend our nation. And, and so every time one of these devices come floating across our state, they are acquiring more information. And when you start accumulating all that together, it's like putting a puzzle together and they can determine what we're doing, how we're doing it and, and how we're going to defend ourselves. And, and that bothers me a lot. Uh, Congressman, the leader, Democratic leader in the Senate says it's the opposite, that we gained all kinds of intelligence about the Chinese. I'm going to play clip number three. Play clip number three. I'm going to get your response to this. We got enormous intelligence information from surveilling the balloon as it went over the United States. Didn't the and Chinese watching. get enormous intelligence as well? Well, they, they could have been getting it anyway. So, so we, we were watching that balloon and we got a lot of intelligence off of watching that balloon? Look, I don't know whether uh, the, Mr. Schumer is doing this out of malice or ignorance, but either way, it's dangerous. That's what I will tell you. And any time that these devices enter American airspace, they should be brought down. They should be brought down in a safe fashion. They should be brought down in a fashion that we can try to see what kind of equipment is on them. And if we can't do both of those, then we should just make sure that we destroy them so that the Chinese Communist Party is not allowed to acquire information about civilian infrastructure, about military infrastructure, and about cell cellular information uh, as they go across our country. That is just a bad, bad idea. And it's part of the national security compromise that we have seen take place over the last several years under the Biden administration. Our southern border, Tony, as you well know, is wide open. We've had 5 million people come across. 4 million have had encounters with law enforcement. A million haven't even had any encounters with law enforcement. We don't know who's in the country. And, and, and I am deeply disturbed by all these. And the slow response that I have received from the Department of Defense. I was at an event in Columbus, Montana on Saturday evening at 7 p.m. And I was contacted to let me know that they had seen it would have been the fourth device going across our skies. And they did not give me any more information until the afternoon of Sunday. And, and basically only because I had my staff following Twitter and news feeds to let me know that the fourth uh, object had been shot down over Lake Huron, as you, as you stated. That's problematic. 
on on the land or in the air, our borders seem to be porous under the uh, the Biden administration. Uh, Congressman uh, Rosendale, I want to thank you for joining us, and, and we're going to stay in touch as you learn more. Uh, we want to learn more about what is actually happening. Thank you so much, Tony. Appreciate it. All right, Congressman Matt Rosendale of uh, Montana. Wow, this raises more questions than uh, than answers. You know, three unidentified airborne objects shot down over Alaska, Canada, and Michigan in the last three days. Pentagon intelligence officials are left to piece together the meaning behind these incursions. While it's unclear if the latest objects came from China, it's certain that China is taking note. I mean, they're watching. There's there's more behind this. Why all of a sudden are we seeing these things? Well, join me now to uh, to talk more about this is FRC's Executive Vice President, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, who spent the last four years of his 36-year military career serving as the Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. He was also a founding member of the U.S. Army's Delta Force. General, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. Glad to be with you. I was thinking about the reason that they seem to be flying most of these over the northern part of the country. If they came over the south, back in my home state of Louisiana, I don't think they would get too far. I think some of those Cajuns would shoot it down thinking they could eat it. Um, Let's talk about uh, why are we seeing so many incursions into our airspace in these past several days? Have they been there? We just haven't seen them. Are we now paying more attention to it or what? Well, first of all, I think it's a combination of things. Uh, NORAD, uh, since its inception, has been uh, setting their radars in such a way that they could pick up an incoming strategic threat. You can call that a missile, a bomber, uh, a fighter, or something like that. And uh, the radar was not set low enough to be able to detect this kind of thing. So I think that it's possible that we have had this before and not detected it. Uh, And this one was detected primarily because some Americans saw it there in uh, Montana. But uh, the other possibility, too, and I think it's probably a combination of the two, I think we're being played right now by the Chinese. I think this is is something that uh, the Chinese are doing to see what our reaction is. It's a reconnaissance, if you want to call it that find out how we're going to react, what our capabilities are. And I think that in the future, our uh, NORAD radars will be set to pick up this kind of thing. It was interesting. I was uh, reading uh, General Van Herc at NORAD. He said our radars uh, could not adequately detect hypersonics. uh, And so that was a gap in our radar capability. But then we have the low-tech side with these balloons. So it seems like we've got some gaps on both ends. We indeed do, and we are uh, dangerously behind in the hypersonic uh, technology. We had a program, and then uh, we uh, decided to eliminate it uh, with budget cuts a few years ago. We're back in the program now. We're trying to catch up with the Chinese and the Russians. But, uh, yeah, we have a problem there, and it's got to be addressed pretty quickly by the Congress. The reaction we saw over the weekend with these uh, objects still trying to figure out what they were some said that one of them i think yesterday was described as not a balloon these being shot down 
pretty quickly after they were discovered. Is this in part uh, a response to the public uh, reaction to allowing the Chinese spy balloon to float across the country uh, without taking action? Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. And, uh, you know, first of all, for uh, uh, Mr. Schumer to make a statement like uh, you just played a few minutes ago, I think just destroys whatever credibility he has on this issue because uh, I doubt very seriously if while that thing was in the air, if we were getting a whole lot of intelligence from that. But no question, we're going to get a lot from uh, the wreckage there uh, of all of these. We're going to find out a lot of things. In fact, that you know, we're going to probably find out that uh, there are even some U.S. components in, in, in these things. But I think that uh, what we've got to do is we've got to prepare ourselves for more of this because I think you're going to see more of it. Did, did you say his statements discredit him? Well, let, okay, well, hold on. Let me play clip three again. Play clip three. We got again. enormous intelligence information from surveilling the balloon as it went over the United States. Didn't the and Chinese watching. get enormous intelligence as well? Well, they, they could have been getting it anyway. Oh, let's break out the popcorn. Uh, let's just sit there in the lawn chairs and let's watch that uh, spy balloon float across the United States. I mean, ludicrous. But, but he said, well, they could have gotten it anyway. So it's no no big deal. So let the balloon fly. Yeah, you know, uh, I was chastised by a uh, a Democratic congressman here a couple of days ago for something that I said on a program with uh, uh, Fox News, and uh, but I said, you know, we ha- we should have knocked that thing down uh, as soon as it got to the Aleutians. There, it was in our territorial waters and our territorial airspace. We should have knocked it down right then, because the reality is we didn't know for sure what was on that. What was the payload? Right. Could it have been a, uh, a, a low yield no- nuke that would have created an EMP and knocked out much of our power grid? Could it have been a chemical warhead? Could it have been a, a uh, biological warhead of some kind? It, we didn't know. Now, this congressman claims that we knew exactly what was on there. And and our military had it all under control. But I, I don't buy that. I don't see that at all. Well, that was kind of a question I had as we've seen this response over the weekend. I mean, you said you feel like China is probing. They're trying to see what our response is. I mean, could we be lured into a, a pattern of a response? And maybe at some point there is a payload on one of these. And based upon how we react to it, uh, it could... Uh, cause catastrophic damage here in the United States? Well, it's certainly a possibility. And that's, and I, that is the one thing that I really fear. The other thing that I'm concerned about though, is that we use the same pattern each time and then we get set up and they send something in here. That's either when it explodes, it's going to be uh, devastating or uh, they put some, it's a manned vehicle, which, you know, human life is not, to them what it is to us. And so I'm I'm very concerned about that. But uh, again, I say we've got to knock them down when they're off the Aleutians or in the Pacific Ocean before they traverse the entire country. Right. Look at whatever they want to look at before they do what the, the balloon did and go out to sea on the Atlantic side. Uh, House Foreign Affairs uh, Chairman Mike McCall uh, sees a connection here with uh, Taiwan, China's plans for Taiwan. Do you see a connection there? There's no question. And look, I think a lot of what China is doing today 
uh, is rehearsals for, preparation for, and uh, planning for, ultimately, their takeover of, uh, of that small island out there that is they are focused on, they're obsessed with it. And Taiwan has been their target since, what, 1947, 48? What does the U.S. military need to to change in terms of addressing these new threats and the these probes that we're seeing from China? What they need to do is they need to stop wasting time and get uh, get our forces, all levels, our strategic forces, our tactical forces, uh, get them ready to fight a war. That's why, as I said on your program last week, this uh, this General Minahan, who who wrote a memo to all of his people, right. telling them get ready to go to war, uh, he was spot on. This guy ought to be promoted instead of being denigrated. Right. He was and rebuked. That, yeah. Right. I mean, he's given the message that you just said needs to be given to our military. Prepare. He's on the ground. He's doing that. And he's rebuked by those in the Pentagon. That that tells me we're out of step with reality. That's right. General, we're out of time. I want to thank you for joining us. Always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in this afternoon. Good to be with you, Tony. All right, folks, we're going to continue to uh, to track this and uh, keep you posted, both domestic policy and foreign policy. All these things matter. And speaking of things that matter, I want to encourage you once again, sign the petition that goes to the mayor and the city council of Port Wentworth, Georgia, where uh, Officer Kersey has been removed, forced out, bullied out because he believed in biblical marriage. Text the name Jacob to 67742 and sign the petition. Thanks for being with us. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.